You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. And I have the great privilege to serve at this place you just saw in Isola, together with my wife and my children, and that's over there in Italy, in Europe. And Roy was right. I feel kind of like David talking about after the giants have talked, and that's quite a a challenge for me. But I'm really thankful to have this opportunity to share a few thoughts, how we can engage people around us with the gospel. I don't know if Brad knows what he is into, giving the pulpit to an Italian. Because (laughs) yesterday, till yesterday night, the clock was down on the battery, and I said, well, that's great. They don't, I don't have to watch the clock, but somebody fixed it last night, so here we are. But as I said, we want to reflect a little bit about how we can engage the world around us with the gospel. And when we think about that, and also when we heard this uh, gentleman talk, We think about doing something for God, working for the kingdom. And that's actually a great uh, aim, a good desire. And so we want to talk about two ways of living to engage the people around us with the gospel. And we will look at some scripture in Hebrews. But when we think about these two ways, or when we think about doing something for God, doing something for His kingdom, doesn't it sometimes happen that this aim, this great desire we have, becomes just something we do, and we might even do with wrong wrong motives, that it becomes just a religious desire, or a religious doing, Back home in Italy, a lot of people, but I don't know if it's only in Italy, maybe it's also over here, a lot of people do something for God because they want His favor. They might give money to the church, they might might go and do good things, and then they say, well, if I do this for God, He will give me health, He will give me wealth, He will protect my family. Actually, uh, my neighbor... Uh, back when I, we were living in Rome, he told me, you know, Joe, I made a fioretto, that's a, vo- a vow with, to God, that I go to Mass every day, every Sunday, and if I can't, I will go Saturday. And I do this for years already, and I'm sure God will only bless my children. Nothing bad will happen to them. Other people back home in Italy, they do something for God, because they are told what Christ did on the cross is only 98%. For the last 2%, you have to work, or you have to give, and you have to do good things and sacraments. And people even do it for their relatives that died already. So that's another motive why they would do something for God, for the kingdom of God. Well, As I said, maybe this doesn't happen only in Italy. Maybe this is something that is really down in our hearts. 
we as evangelical um, Christians obviously have nobler motives. Uh, we really give to God and we are very useful to God because we serve in a very good way and we are even uh, ready to renounce or to sacrifice for God's kingdom, right? But you know what? We can't. You and I, we cannot serve God. Well, maybe this sounds a little bit strange, but give me two more minutes to explain what I mean. Because that's exactly what Paul said when he was in Greece. And he encountered this way of dealing with God. You know, you do something for God and he does something for you. And he was there in Greece and in Acts 17, 24 and 25, he says... The God who made the world and everything in it, being the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything. Our God is not, is not served by human hands. And then Paul explains it a little, bit, a little bit better. He says, He is not served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life, breath, and everything. God gives. He does not receive. God is always the giver. This is really great. This is a big thing. You know, in this world, you are big, you are important if you have a lot of likes on Facebook, right? Or if you have a lot of followers, if thousands or even millions follow you, your channel on YouTube. Or to politi uh, in politics, you know, you are big if you have a lot of people that vote for you. Or if you have, like, for example, a business owner, well, if he has 10 employees, well, that's family business, that's pretty good. But if he has hundreds of employees that work for him, he is doing better, he is more important. If he may even have thousands or ten thousands of people that work for him to get his idea realized, then he's really important, right? That's how it works in this world. You're big if a lot of people do what you say and serve you. Right? You know, in his kingdom, it's completely the opposite. It's totally the opposite. God is big. God is infinite because he serves Not only thousands, but 10,000, well, millions, billions of creatures. He is sustaining them. He has the riches. He has the resources to sustain them in life. You know, if you and I are here this morning, because he gives us lungs that function. He gives us breath. He gives us life. He gives us everything. And he does it not only for you and me, but he does it for billions 
Think about all the birds that eat today. All the fishes. He gives. He gives. And he is big because he can serve so many people. That's why he is big. We studied with the youth yesterday a little bit about world's culture, this earthly culture, and kingdom culture. And we figured out, you know, Jesus came down to tell us about how kingdom culture functions. And he gave us chapter 5, 6, and 7 in Matthew to explain us what uh, culture is all about, the kingdom culture is all about. And it's totally the opposite of what we live. Even Jesus himself, when he came down, you know, there was a fight about, uh, about the disciples. Who is the biggest? You remember? They wanted to be big. And he said, no, I'm bigger. No, you. And, and then Jesus said something very interesting. He said, for even the Son of Man, for even I, God incarnated, came not to be served, but to serve. God himself came down to serve. That's, that's our God. And he came down to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. That's whom we are dealing with. Don't try to do business with this God. You give him something to get something back. You're always, you're always on the receiving side. He is always the giver. You can't, you can't do business with him. And this is all over. Let me show you another Bible verse that says this as well. When Paul writes to the Philippians and he says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Jesus Christ. You know, and he is very rich in glory. And he sustains, he gives. He gives to us. It's not we that give to him. Or even in the Old Testament, Isaiah said already in 64.4, From of old no one has heard or perceived by the ear, no eyes has seen a God besides you who acts, who works for those who wait for him. That's our God. He works for us. He comes to serve us. That's, make, that's what makes him big. That's a different economy. That's a different culture. That's not what we are used to. That's completely different. But this is great. This is incredible. You know, as I said, we are always, always, always on the receiving side. And I live it a little bit like this, you know, in the morning... You get up and get breakfast. You like egg and bacon and maybe grits. I like croissant, so I get a croissant, like we Italians. And I sit there and say, Lord, again, I have breakfast. You gave it to me. Thank you. 
You give me a wife, beautiful wife, great children. You give me work, you give me health, you give me a car, you give me resources. You constantly give to me. Thank you so much. You know, and so you're right. Sometimes health becomes less, or also things, or people around you. But he still gives. He gives you medicine. He gives you care. He's always, he's always giving to us. And I say, Lord, why? Why do this huge, immense, infinite God gives to me constantly, always gives? And I, I'm just overwhelmed. I say, why do you do that for me? I, I don't deserve it. And it makes me just being thankful and just express my gratitude to him and say, Lord, thank you. And I can't stop thanking him. But then sometimes I forget and I think, well, I really did quite a bit for God and I left my job. I didn't go to earn money and I left my country. I moved to another and you know, I did a lot for God. I'm giving. And I gave in the past. I give now. I want to continue to invest. So God must be pretty pleased with me. And I'm sure he will bless me. And I boast. And then Paul reminds me and says, What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? You know, we are always, always, always on the receiving side. He always gives, we always receive. And I just told you this introduction. That was only the introduction, sorry. <laughs> but I just told you this, you know, <laughs> to take away wrong motives to serve our God. Because if you have this hard attitude, if you have this clear in our minds that we are always receiving, we are not giving something to God as He would need our service, as if He would need something from us, or as we would need to add something to what He already did and paid for us. You know, this takes away all our wrong motives. He is always giving us, and He does not need my service. But this is, as I said, the very bottom line, or this is the very hard, uh, hard attitude we should have to engage people with the gospel. If we don't have this, we might very easily do it out of wrong motives. So let us read now two, the two verses I already showed you in Hebrews 13. At the end of this long sermon that was written or even made to the Hebrews, these newly converted Jews. And at the very end, he introduces them and uh, tells them as Jesus' disciples, we do have another altar. We don't have to sacrifice animals and burnt offerings. That's done with that. And he shows them what sacrifices God likes. And so please, if you would stand 
And we want to read the Word of God and remember that this is the very Word of God we are reading in Hebrews 13, verses 15 and 16. And it says, Through Him, that is Jesus, through Jesus then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge His name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you are here with us, that we may ponder, ponder on your word, and may your name be made great through our lives. May your message this morning, may your words, your thoughts, be put in our hearts so they really change us and that we might nurture on them the whole week and be changed by them. Thank you that you are here. Thank you that you want to speak to our hearts. Amen. You may be seated. And after we have set the stage, the heart attitude uh, for serving, we want to speak about engaging people around us with the gospel. And this is just a lifestyle that has two main uh, manners or two goals, two purposes in life for which we want to live, as it is uh, told us in these verses. So the first sacrifice that really pleases God is to sacrifice a sacrifice of praise, lips that acknowledge his name. And the second is to do good and share with others. And we want to see how these two things engage people around us with the gospel. So what is this fruit of lips that offering of sacrifice of praise, acknowledging him. What does he mean with that? Is it this 25 minutes when, as we did this morning, we stand and we sing and David with his team leads us to worship, to respond to his goodness, to his majesty? Is that what he's talking about when he talks about sacrifice of praise? This is great time. They do a good job, and I love it to stand in front of our God and sing together. But it, in the text, it says we should do it continually, which is more than 25 minutes out of 168 hours a week, right? And let me show a little bit how I live this, how I, I try to put this in practice. Again, 6, 6.30, the alarm clock goes on and brings me back to reality. And I'm still in bed, my eyes closed, and I said, Lord, thank you for a new day that I may live, that I can live on planet Earth together with you, but may it be a day where your name will be made great, that your name may be hallowed, may be important through my life. I go to the breakfast table, and there is my croissant, and I sit down and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for food again. And then back home, 
at work, you know, at the camp, my office is in the basement and it's kind of humid and cold. And you might know I suffer of migraine, so when my neck gets cold and inflamed, I really suffer. And I might walk out of the office and there is this warm sun ray that cuddles me and I stop and say, wow, Lord, this is amazing. Thousands of years ago, you put out there a star millions times bigger than the earth and it's just in the right distance to warm up my neck. Who am I? Who am I? What a caring God. Thank you so much. And then I might text to a friend that used to walk with me with Jesus, or I might call him and tell him, do you remember when we walked together with the Lord, how we had great times and we got to know the Lord better and how we were blessed? Please, come back. Or, as it happens a few months ago, I went to a brother, even younger than me, all eaten up by cancer, and we would sit down and read some Bible verses like, to live is Christ and to, gain, and to die is gain. Or, your steadfast love is better than life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And we talk, would talk about the Lord and about His goodness. Or then later on I would sit in the cafeteria at the camp and there is this plate of good-looking, good-smelling pasta in front of me. You know, pasta with parmesan and bacon and nuts and cream. And I would say, Lord, wow, you made the wheat grain, uh, the wheat grow. You gave Pierre, our cook, to put just the right ingredients in the right amounts together. And here I can enjoy your goodness. You're caring for me. I don't take it for granted. Thank you so much. And then I might meet Angelica, the student girl that just came to volunteer for a couple months at our place, and her smile, her love, her happiness is just incredible. And I tell her, you know what? Your love and your joy is telling me something about your Heavenly Father. You know, I, and I could go on and on. Situations in everyday life where you acknowledge His name. And you're thankful about that He's around you. And you notice Him. And you thank Him for being with you and for treating you so good. A sacrifice that pleases God. You're just overwhelmed with God's love. Or, you know, you might remember, you might remember, when you fell in love, and it was really big love, and you would hear her voice, you would smell her perfume, or you would just see him, or you would talk about, to any friend of you, about him, or about her. You know, 
She was constantly in your mind, right? That happens when you fall in love. At least in Italy it happens. I don't know if it happens here as well. You know, you're constantly... Isn't it that the same thing if you're in love, if you're passionate, passionate about God, that we, that we will see Him and acknowledge Him and thank Him all the time? Actually, Paul wrote about this as well in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. He said, for the love of Christ, for the love of Christ, it doesn't say my love for Christ. It's his love for me. For the love of Christ compels us, controls us, not to live for ourselves anymore, but for him who died and was raised for our sake. Right? When you get grips with the love of Christ, when you understand how much he loves you and he's all around you constantly and constantly giving to you, you can't help Acknowledge his name, worship him, praise him all day long. Well, this brings us to the second goal, to do good and share with others. That's the second sacrifice that God is pleased with. Or simply, love your neighbor. Or favor your next. You certainly would do good and you would share with the one you favor, right? But again, we are all very smart to favor ourselves, to love ourselves, right? For example, there is this great, good Italian pizza on the table, and you are the one serving others, sure you do. But for one strange reason, you don't know how it happened and why, but the piece with most toppings ends up in your plate. <laughs> right? Or there is a gathering and everybody is cleaning up and going about things so to set things. And you surely have a very good reason to favor yourself and sneak out because you're very tired or very business, uh, busy. Right? We're very good in favoring ourselves. Or there is this stranger behind you at, uh, when you're in line at Walmart and he is just having four or five things in his arms and kind of nervous and, and you think, well, should I let him pass or... No, I'm pretty busy. It's my turn now, right? We are so good in favoring ourselves, in loving ourselves. It doesn't come normal, natural to favor our next, to love our next, to share, to do good. That's heavenly culture again. That's not our culture here. So this doing good with others sharing, neighbor loving, next favoring life is the purpose, is the, is the pure opposite, as I said, of earthly culture. Or we can say it this way, a generous, God-like life forged by heavenly culture. That's what we should live. That's what we should be on. Now, we have the theory. We have it all set up. Two simple things to do to sacrifice praise 
constantly remember him, acknowledge his name, pointing at him, or the second, do good and share with others. But let me do an application here, or just remember another story you surely recall, the scribe that came to Jesus and said, what is the most important commandment? And you remember well what Jesus answered, right? He actually talked just about the two truths we, we saw together. He said, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second, love your neighbor as yourself. Isn't this a parallel to what we just saw in Hebrews 13, where it says, love God, or praise, recognize, acknowledge him, because you're so passionate about him, you recognize him all over, and you're so thankful to him? And the second, do good and share with others. Well, love your neighbor. Do good and share. Describe when you heard Jesus answering like this. He said, you're right, teacher. To love God with all the heart and love one's neighbor as oneself is much more, is much more than burnt offerings and sacrifices. And Jesus said, do this and you will live. You are not far from the kingdom of God. Actually, this is the kingdom of God. This is heaven's culture. This is heaven. This is paradise. To love God, to adore Him, to recognize Him, to point at Him constantly, to be focused on Him, on His goodness, and to do good to your next, that is what Eden was. Eden was like, what paradise, paradise was like. And this is what heaven will be like for eternity. We will point at him and we will be good to each other. Jesus said, do this and you will live. You will have eternal life. Sure, we know that we won't because we do the things entering to heaven. There is only one name, there is only one savior. There is only one way to come to the Father, which is through Christ. We know that, and we acknowledge that. And you have to come and admit that you need His forgiveness, His pardoning. That's for sure. But when you come, His perfect life will be accredited, will be imputed to your soul and your misery, your sins, your wrongdoings will be accredited to him, and he paid for it in all, and you're in. Now you're capable, now you're capable to live this life and to do good to your next and to recognize your heavenly Father because the Spirit is living within you, and this is what, you're, what makes you able to live this new life. So... I just want to finish this uh, preaching with one verse that really helped me and makes me think a lot about living these two goals in life and doing these two sac sacrifices God wants us to do. It is, let your light shine before others. 
so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. How do you get your light shine? How do you make your light shine? You know, Hebrews said, fix your eyes on Jesus. He's all around you. You can see him. Well, best way to know him and to get to know him and to fall in love with him is obviously in scriptures. Hear teachings. Hear, listen to preachings. Go into the word. Get to know him better. And this will really make you fall in love with him and you will recognize him all over. And as it happened to Moses when he was in the presence of God, when you see God, when you are passionate about him, your face will lit up. You will be happy. You will be shining. And then you just do good works because if you are in tune with Christ, he prepared the good works already for you and you just do it. You know, yesterday, as I said, we uh, talked with the young youth about loving your neighbor, uh, loving your enemy, and doing good to those who persecute you. And Jesus said, you have to do this because your heavenly Father is perfect, and you should also be. So when he lives in us, he gives us the possibility to do this. And doing good sometimes is simply greeting your enemy. Because Jesus said, what good do you do if you greet your brother? Or if you love those who love you? That's nothing special. So living, doing good works is sometimes just simple, uh, simple life, gentle living with others and doing, good, doing the good works with a shining face. And they see it and they might, and you might even go through hardship, you might even go through difficult times, but you're still sacrificing these two things that he wants us to, to live for. You might go through hardship or illness and you're still favoring others. You might go through difficult times and you're still praising him, pointing at him all the time. And people recognize and say, as it says in this verse, they will start to give glory with you and glory to the Father that is in heaven and they are engaged with the gospel. Now they are engaged with the gospel and you just remain in tune with Christ and he will complete the work he started and he might even use you, continue to use you to speak to them and to help them. And again, to make his name great in your life and their life. So let us remember together, through him, through Jesus, then let us continue to offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Let us continuously thank our Lord. Be aware that he is all around us and that he is giving to us. And then do not neglect to do good and to share. 
What do you have for such sacrifices? Please, God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for being so clear to us in what pleases you. And we really want to learn just to recognize you and offer up a praise of love, a praise of worship to your name. Recognize that you are all around us and you are giving us and that you treat us so well. And be thankful to you and do good to others and share with them as you ask us to do. Help us, give us this capacity through your spirit and to live this way as it pleases you. Amen. Benediction comes from Matthew uh, chapter 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Go in peace. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.